The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Live from inside the Vardy Fertilizer Grinder, it's Dr. Who Podshock. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 340. This is Louis Trapani, and joining us in this episode, we, uh, someone that we missed last episode, but is with us today. The voice you just heard is Mr. Lee Shackelford is here with us in the house. Yay! Back, back in the TARDIS with you guys. Back in the TARDIS. So we missed you last week. Good to have you back. Yeah. Glad to be back. And we are missing you, but we are delighted to have you back. I'm here smiling. I hope everybody's smiling. Smile, smile. Smile. <laughs> so we're going to keep the smiling going on. We're going to go across this little pond we call the Atlantic Ocean to Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper. He's smiling there as well. I'm all smiles, all smiles, grinning from here to here, and very happy indeed to uh, both have Lee in the room and... Uh, Maybe another good friend that you can introduce in a moment. And, of course, our gracious host, Lewis himself. Well, thank you so much. And as Dave, it's good to have you back once again. And as Dave alluded to, we're going to cross back over to um, the other side of this pond we call the Atlantic to introduce or um, reintroduce Mr. Kyle Jones. Hey, I'm sitting here smiling because I don't have to work as hard tonight because Lee finally decided to come back. So, yes, I'm happy. I'm smiling. Happy, happy. Happy, happy. I didn't know you were carrying me last time. That's, that's good. That's, <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> well, you're, 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 the, the reality is you're irreplaceable. Lee. I see, yes. This is true. <laughs> very kind. And, um... <laughs> Not smile. with us is, um, and, and we're, we're very happy about it. We're smiling, we're smiling, we're keeping the smiles up. Uh, but we're very um, smiling about <laughs> Ian not being with us. Uh, yeah, no, it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. Keep smiling. Just keep smiling. Just yes. Keep smiling. Yeah, he, he was going to leave his joke book, but I declined. <laughs> so he was, he's unable to join us. He was here uh, with us last week, and uh, but we're, uh, um, we're, we're, we're keeping up the smiles for his behalf this week. Well, so, he and I are like we're like similarly charged magnets right now. Is that we can't get on the same episode at the same time? I don't know <laughs> if I if I become an Ian repellent or what, but uh, yeah. Well, that's anyway the way it goes, you know. Yeah, we'll work it out. So, if you haven't guessed. We're going to be reviewing a certain episode of Doctor Who, which will keep you smiling. So um, if you haven't got the hint, yes, if you, we're going to be reviewing the episode Smile. So if you haven't seen it yet, please take this opportunity to see it. But before we go into our smiling um, review of the episode, we're going to make a pit stop with some news. 
So not a lot of news this week, but some newsworthy events to talk about nonetheless, one of which we uh, regards our very own Kyle and Lee, which I'll hand it off to Kyle and Lee to talk about. Hey, Lee, this was your idea. I'm going to let you take it. <laughs> I'll get you for this. No, I did. I did. I'm the one who brought it up. Yeah, it, it is kind of a slow news week. I said, well, but, you know, the big deal in uh, in, in my uh, Who life right now is that Kyle and I are both going to Wholanta next week, formerly known as TimeGate. And it is a, it is a, a good mid-size uh, Doctor Who convention, and it's going to be in Atlanta May 5th through the 7th. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle. You are you are 100 percent correct. I, I, Five through seven. I have trouble with dates sometimes. Yeah, but um, but yeah, Kyle and I, who have actually never met in person, we and our and our partner Clarence Brown are all going to be there at Hulanta. So and of course, and incidentally, so also is Colin Baker. You know, but the big news is that Kyle and I are going to be there. Who's this Baker? Uh, Colin. 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 Was he yeah. the fourth you, doctor? No, that was Tom you, Baker. You're probably thinking, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, and who was the woman that he tried the not not Colin Baker, but literally, <laughs> but the uh, character, the Sixth Doctor, and, and not Ian, the Sixth Doctor, but Colin Baker, the Sixth Doctor, tried to choke. What was her name? Perry. Wait, wait why was why was uh, Ian Bissett trying to choke uh, Nicola Bryant? I don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, it's all very confusing. But yeah, they are very excited as they should be at Hulanda because for the first time they have a Doctor and his companion. So they have so Colin Baker will be there and Nicola Bryant, who of course played. Perpagillian Brown, uh, who last we saw with her brains scooped out. So, well, I can't wait to hear when you guys come <laughs> back and get the full report. And um, looking forward to seeing some pictures of you both there. Yeah, well, cool. Right. Yeah, yeah. we've got to do that. Yeah. So, um, so always good to uh, conventions are good excuses to uh, to meet up with podcasting cohorts, and um, you know we, we've done that in the past. And just before the show, we were. Um, we were talking about Dave and I. We were supposed to meet up at a infamous convention that never came to be, which um, sadly, um, you know, for that fact that we we still have yet to, uh, though it feels like we have, but we have yet to actually see each other in the flesh. You know, we got this, this yeah. puddle that we keep on calling, that I keep, I keep on introducing in the <laughs> opening segment called the Atlantic Ocean that separates us. But one of these days, you know, we'll... Very complicated. We'll, 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 um, we'll see each other. But, um, yeah, and I, I guess it's more likely... Um, well, it's it's possible that maybe... Um, I don't know if we want to talk about this, Lee, but possibly this... Um, is it June? I think it's the end of June that I might be crossing paths with Lee myself. Yeah, well, you and I actually have been, have been at Gallifrey together, but this, uh, this, this is true. Yes. Yeah, that, that was that was a long time ago. You may not even remember that. No, was, I remember. I remember. Okay, okay. You and and not Ian, Ian, but. Um, yeah, my son, Ian, Your right? Son, yeah, Ian, yeah, 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 yeah. Because we felt like we had been ushered into the presence of greatness. This is this is Louis Trapani. <laughs> my God, we can't, we can't believe. It. But that, that was a cool. Uh, actually, you you and I have been in the same room twice because of Gallifrey one year. But I was there the year that you were there with your 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 previous co-hosts on the show, and and that was that was kind of an event because I think that was the first time all three of you had been in the same room at the same yes, time. Yes, yeah, that was uh, I think that was two thousand and eight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ah, well, there's some degrees of separation there, then, because I met James. I met James at the there first Hoovervelle here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, before, before, yeah, yeah, before he grew his uh, magnificent moustache. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah but, Lee, I um, think we're missing pictures, though. We, did you take any pictures of us together? Um, I, I, 
not not of you and me, no. But did, I, you, I do have. You were there with. I, a, I a, didn't you have like a long, like tannish brown jacket or trench coat or like something doctorish? No, usually at conventions, and and Kyle will see this. I. I have, a, I have a jacket that I always wear that, that I've sewed a lot of patches onto. So oh, I look a little okay. like Ace. All right. Yeah. Okay. But, um, I think, no, but, I think I do. Now that you mentioned the patches, that does ring a bell. Yeah. Does yeah. it have a wow patch on it? No. <laughs> no. I, I, obviously, somebody needs to market those wow patches now if they haven't already, because I, I definitely need one of those. But yeah. Um, but yeah, always look for me. I'm the guy with the, with the black. Um, uh, jacket on that's got all these patches on it. So, and I'll be wearing my disgusting Who T-shirt. I'm led to understand. Yes, you are led correctly. There you go. Sweet. Anyway. Yeah, uh, and I think I, you know, I, I know I speak for Clarence, and and obviously I'm, you know, speaking for Lee. Now I think we are very all three excited. Yeah, we've never gone anywhere as uh, as media before. So we, uh, if we can time it right, that means we'll actually get to. Talk to some of the celebs. I mean, Camilla Corduri is also going to be there, and um, and, and I've been encouraging um, you know Kyle and Clarence if you can get a microphone anywhere around them, you know, to record a bumper. You know, I'm Kyle oh, Baker, yes. and you're listening to discussing who. I mean, you know, man, because because yeah. Lewis has a very impressive collection of these things from over the years. Yeah, well, if uh, um, you you know, go for it. You know, definitely. But we could yeah. use some new ones too here. <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the last one I got for uh, Podshock was Andrew Cartmel, but it, we, we may have to do a retrospective of the Sylvester McCoy days before that's even appropriate. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Andrew was a, a good fellow, yeah. I mean, I, I, I shouldn't be talking, to him, talking about him in the past tense like that, but I just, you know, remembering yeah. back from Gallifrey when um, we interviewed him, I remember, um, if I'm not mistaken, I, it might have been the first Gallifrey or the second Gallifrey that um, sort of like he was like the first person that we kind of met in the lobby. So he was wow. like a, a nice introduction, you know. I, I've met him as well at, uh, in a, a talk that he did in Manchester. And, uh, yeah, I'll, a couple of words with him. Yeah. Super nice guy. Mm-hmm. Well, we're looking forward to So now that's uh, this is the convention that used to be Timegate, right? Correct. So um, is there, like, any reason for the name change? Or is it, like, different own, Is it different management? Or is it, like... I don't, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I, I, I'd actually been a presenter at TimeGate. But, um, yeah, but I haven't stayed in touch with the people that I worked with doing that. But I don't know. Was TimeGate more general than just Doctor Who? And now they're concentrating just on Who. Is, is that the difference? Uh, TimeGate to me seemed like a very straightforward Doctor Who con, but um, well, you know, um, Gil Gerard and um, uh, Aaron Gray were also guests there, so there was a li- there was a little Buck Rogers in there, yeah, but yeah. you know. And I guess it's it wasn't it wasn't there um, a TV series Stargate or something like that? There wasn't there another. Yeah. So maybe well, there was. was like, so, yeah, I maybe, wondered. Maybe who lanterns more directly? Who like maybe they decided to make it more focused or aimed or targeted at Doctor Who. Yeah, and, you know, sorry. No, 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 no. I was just going to say that, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about this because I'm, I'm mentally envisioning the, you know, the layout of the three days and all the different tracks. And yes, you've got your main Doctor Who. And I would say that probably out of, say, five tracks, you've got three out of five which are Doctor Who related. There's a kids track, and then there's also everything from Marvel Comics to DC to um, 
you know, other geek type stuff, but there's a track that is not Doctor Who. I gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if that. I'm sorry. Sega. I'm wondering if that's the one that Ian met Gigi actually. Can't remember if that was Hurricane Who or something. One of the ones that he got to. Yeah, down in the southeast. Yeah. Uh, I'm finally looking at their website since we're talking about it at wholanta.com, and uh, they describe themselves as an annual Doctor Who and British media and cultural, <laughs> British media and culture convention. So you know, I, I assume that means Jerry Anderson or you know anything. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. All right. Um, there you so go. That's um, it's it's not this. It's. No, obviously we will be recording. Well, by the time this gets out, it's going to be like last weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, I know. It's it's difficult. All of to, this is to encourage you to get on the stick. So yeah. Well, <laughs> as we record this, we still have last. I still have last week's episode still in the editing, um, you know, board trying to get that out there. So. Um, yeah, so by the time this gets out, this should be, um, it's who knows if it's last weekend or this weekend, but it's it's some weekend somewhere either before or after, well, before time, after time, whatever. Time is all relative when you're a time lord, but it's somewhere around this time or last time or next time. Oh, you're on very thin ice with that. <laughs> Ooh, very nice. Oh, oh, next week. That's next That's, week. No, yeah. he's just smiling this I'm week. Seeing <laughs> lights underneath the ice. Okay. <laughs> That's right. So, so our other news was it was is that it was Jenna Coleman's birthday yesterday. But yeah, it could have been last only, week. It could have been last week or a month ago. We don't. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, had a uh, birthday at some point. Of course she. Hey, no, no, no. Look, if Kyle can go on about River Song, I'm going on about Jenna Coleman. It was Jenna Coleman's birthday. Uh, same age as my daughter. That's amazing. That's the thing. That's a bit of a frightener. But there you go. <laughs> Well, you know, there are listeners that we get feedback about this, so we know this is the case that sometimes people are listening to this years after we recorded it. So it could be three years from now that someone's listened to it, and Jenna Coleman's birthday was yesterday. That's true. (laughs) She's probably going to have one roughly once once a year. year, You think? Wow. Let's hope, yeah. That's that's a prediction that I'm making. All right. Well, we're going to hold you to it. We're going to be checking in next year at this time just to see if she had a birthday again. But she is 31, if anybody wants to wow. know. Wow. So. She's just a little, little what? incubator. What are you doing? Baby. Give me my daughter's age away. <laughs> that means when, she, when when we seen her in the screen, she was in her 20s. Yeah, wow. That's right, yeah. Well, you're the one who outed her, Dave. If you compare her to a to a celebrity whose birthday is on Wikipedia, I mean, jeez, yeah. really? Well, I officially have the same birthday as Cuba Gooding Jr. So, yeah, that's a Jackie Tyler joke. That was you, you may have missed that. Anyway, I think we did. I think we did. I think I did. Yeah, I think we did. yeah, yeah. I, that's a that's a line that runs away very quickly. And um, oh, I've got a tear the, in the corner the first of my the eye. I've got there you thought, go. Yeah, I've got a thoughtful face. <laughs> I, I'm actually yeah. checking the top of my head because that went right over my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, she does. She says that in uh, in in, Pete, in the Pete in the Pete universe that she has the official same birthday as Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> that's a very strange remark, but yeah. <laughs> All right, just silence one of my devices that I got to silence before we started recording. So, um, yeah, if, if you heard a little um, male um, signal. Silence I, yeah. will fall. 
<laughs> when you have more devices than you can count, and you you got to remember to mute everything before you start recording. It, well, at least you didn't, you didn't hit the button on the fertilizer grinder. That's the good thing. No, no, no. But we will soon. So um, that's. Okay. It's a light news day, so that's, I think it's going to round up the news for this episode. But if you, our listeners, have any news that you'd like to share, maybe your feedback about a convention you attended, um, we want to hear from you. So um, we have to get a new call box because the call box number from our last um, call box, that number, the company that was doing it has ceased to be. It's, no, it's now a, a dead parrot, or it's just not. Um, it's pining. An ex, it's an ex phone number. It's an ex, it is no more. It's yes. It's so, no longer a parrot. So uh, <laughs> until we get a new number, you're encouraged to uh, send your recorded feedback to feedback at podshock.net. We want to hear from you, uh, especially now with the new episodes. And uh, um, I'm sure once this gets out, we're going to get some feedback uh, talking about the new episodes. But uh, the pilot which was last week's um that episode is our review as we alluded to before it is recorded it's going to go out by the time you listen to this it should be out already and um so we want to hear what you think of this uh, this um season you know series whatever terminology you'd like to use um so far all right, so we're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back with our review. So again, if you haven't seen the pilot, no, I'm not. Well, if you haven't seen Smile, <laughs> be sure to stop this recording and listen and uh, watch, and then come back and listen again. Hi, this is Waris Hussein. Thank you for listening to Doctor Who Podshock. As you know, Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from from every genre. Thrillers, romance, comedy, of course, science fiction, business stuff, and a whole lot more. Now, as you probably know, Audible titles will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android. They can play in more than 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you can try their service out, check them out, and see what you think. Now, to download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. And, you know, you know, we haven't done this in a while, but, you know, we, sometimes we like to make a recommendation or perhaps a referral, something that you might find um, interesting in Audible selection. So they have a large range of Doctor Who titles, including even some titles featuring the 12th Doctor, the latest Doctor. So this is one of those uh, titles. This is called The Lost Magic. A rat stamped across the floor, its whiskers twitching. It followed its nose until it found a half-eaten biscuit lying on the deck. The biscuit was stale and infested with weevils, but the rat didn't care. The sound of tiny, gnawing teeth joined the creaking of the beams and the sound of waves against the hull. The rat's feast was interrupted by another sound, a raucous bellow that seemed to come from nowhere and everywhere at once. The rodent squealed in alarm and scampered into the shadows. From the safety of a coil of rope, it watched as a tall blue box appeared in the middle of the hold. 
A lantern flashed on its roof and the words, Police Telephone Box, were emblazoned in white letters above large double doors. The doors opened, spilling light into the cramped room. The rat fled. As its scaly tail disappeared through a hole in the wall, an athletic-looking girl wearing a pair of skinny jeans and a superhero T-shirt stepped out of the box and looked around. Doctor, Alex Yao called back into the box. I thought we were going to England. We are, insisted a gruff Scottish voice in reply. London, to be precise. 1588, around half-past July. The owner of the voice appeared at the doors. He was an older man with grey hair, wearing a long velvet frock coat and a confused expression. The ground's rocking. Why is the ground rocking? Are you doing that? Alex laughed. She and her brother Brandon had only recently joined the doctor in his crazy time machine, but were already getting used to his tetchiness. Of course I'm not. We've landed on a boat. The doctor pulled his sonic screwdriver from his jacket pocket. Nonsense! A TARDIS never gets lost! Really? Really! Stepping from the time machine, he swept the trilling device in a wide arc, its tip glowing blue. The sound stopped, and the doctor's lined face crumpled into a frown. We're on a boat, he concluded. The TARDIS got lost. So, what now? We take half again, said a voice from behind the doctor. Alex turned to see her brother leaning heavily on the TARDIS doorway. He wore denims and a plaid shirt rolled up at the sleeves and was looking decidedly sorry for himself. Why is your face so green? The doctor asked in alarm. Have you been infected by a crinoid? Brandon gets seasick, Alex replied. You okay, bro? Do I look okay? Brandon replied before jabbing a finger at the doctor. Don't answer that. That is the thought, the doctor said. We can't be too far, of course. He licked his finger and held it up to the air as if testing the wind. Yes, Devon is two miles that away. What? Brandon asked incredulously. You're guessing. I never guess, snapped the doctor. Unless I really have to. So we're at sea, Alex asked. Yes, that was the, a clip from The tw- the Lost Magic, a 12th audio doctor, <laughs> a 12th doctor audio original, I should say. And that could be yours or any selection that they have to offer. It doesn't even have to be a Doctor Who selection. By the way, that was written by uh, Cavern Scott and narrated by Dan Starkey. It's, um, again, a 12th Doctor uh, original story done in audio. It was just released earlier this month, May of 2017. So... You can download that free right now if you simply go to audibletrial.com slash pawchalk. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pawchalk for your free audio book. Who's that? Mom. Excuse me. Just what is the TARDIS doing down here? I'm over 2,000 years old. I don't always want to take the stairs. Your oath, sir. You're not supposed to go off-world unless it's an emergency. I'm not off-world. Are you going off-world? I'm going back to my office. Could you put the kettle on, please? Hmm. Why is she here? Because she isn't anywhere else. Kettle. I'm not making any for her. She could make her own. Not a slavery human, I can assure you. 
So, back up to your office for a cuppa then. Between here and my office, before the kettle boils, is everything that ever happened or ever will. Make your choice. What choice? Past or future. Future. Why? Why do you think? I want to see if he's happy. Well, I'm happy to report that we're back. I'm um, I'm here with Kyle, Lee, and Dave, and this is Lewis once again, and we're all back here. And as you can tell, we're going to be reviewing Smile. So as always, before we get jump into our review, just as a reminder... Spoilers. Spoilers. Again. Spoilers. 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 Yes, it's true. My new car does have a bigger spoiler than my (laughs) last. So, (laughs) but yes, we are reviewing Smile. You're on Candid Camera. No, we are just reviewing Smile, the episode Smile, which is the second episode of this series, of this season of 2017, or the 10th series, if you will. It's... um, it's directed once again by Lawrence Goth, um, if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. I'm saying once again because he directed uh, the previous episode as well, the pilot. So it does have that, which isn't the first time they've done that, where they, they carried the same director over, you know, from one episode to the other to kind of keep that flow going. Especially, I think it's important when you have a... When you introduce like a new companion, which the pilot did, and just to keep that continuity and that flow and that rhythm going from the previous episode, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, though it's written, it's uh, whereas the last episode was written by Peter, um, Stephen Moffat, um, this is written by Frank uh, Cottrell Boyce, and um, returning back in the role of the Twelfth Doctor once again is Peter Capaldi and uh, Pearl Mackey as. Bill, Bill Potts, and that voice you just heard in that clip, albeit it was a short clip, a little, he didn't have a large role in it, but it was nonetheless still memorable, was uh, Matt Lucas as Nordal. So, yeah, I, I really do enjoy having Nordal around, and even if, even if it's just a small little segment in each episode, you know, it doesn't need to be a big beefy part, but just to have his presence there, I think it's, I I really like that chemistry of having more than one companion. And, um, you know, I I think it works very well. And as I said, in, in, um, in our last episode reviewing the pilot, I thought the chemistry here is working very well with Bill and the doctor. And, um, and I, I will venture to say, even before we get into this review that I really think that, um, I feel that this season, this series um, of Doctor Who, I think the Twelfth Doctor is really going to get into his stride and his rhythm. And um, not that he was failing before, but it just I feels very much Doctor Who to me this time around. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with the chemistry between him and Bill and maybe some of the stories. And um, it, it just seems to be... Um, and well, I'm, uh, th- there's more to it than that, but I think I'm going to wait until we start um, 
talking more about this episode. Well, I guess I could go into it now. It doesn't. It's. Uh, I feel that this episode we're in the we're we're, we're jumping into the future, and um, and if we, and if we all seen this episode, I'm assuming you have. We already seen the teaser for next week, and we know that we're going into the past and. Um, and the first episode introduced a companion. So is it just me or do I see a pattern here that we've seen before? You know, going back to the like the Russell T. Davies um, era of Doctor Who where um, you have that familiar pattern of starting a new season or series, um, especially with a new companion when you had Rose and, um, you know, we, we had an episode where you introduced the, the companion and then we had an episode where Ooh. we went to the future and then an episode where you go into the yep. past and... I'm seeing patterns here. It could be just, um, you know, I'm, I'm recalling the 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 the, um, the eighth doctor. Always seeing patterns, you know. You <laughs> Americans always seeing things, you know. But um, maybe it, it, it could be a coincidence, or maybe it's deliberate that uh, that maybe Stephen Moffat deliberately is trying to get Doctor back rooted again. Obviously, the, we talked about the pilot last week and how that was sort of – it seemed like a whole reintroduction to Doctor Who. It was a, a, a point where you can um, – if you need to introduce anyone to Doctor Who, that was an episode that you could do it in. It was very much a reintroduction um, to the point where there was um, – you know, we saw Susan on the desk there, you know, but um, th there was very much a parallel of introducing the Doctor again and introducing the show. And now we're jumped into the future. And, um, and, and speaking of which, you know, in that little clip that we just heard there, you know, he, the Doctor talks about that oath that he made not to go off world. And, um, speaking of, of things that are reminiscent, I, it really brought me back to like the John Pertwee era of Doctor Who, you know, because he's, you know, where that wasn't mandated, you know, it wasn't a promise. It was sort of um, a sentence that John Pertwee or the third doctor, I should say, was um, sentenced to, um, in the case, um, you know, sort of imprisonment on Earth, if you will. Um, you know, so he was sort of earthbound, but he still managed to get away and escape you know, and sneak off when he could. Um, and I think that's sort of what it's, it's a little similar parallel that we're seeing here where um, the doctor's claiming to keep his promise and his oath, but he's, um, you know, in between here and, um, and there there's, um, and, you know, with a time machine and, and that can go anywhere, anytime you could go anywhere. So, and once again, you know, there's, very little information as far as what's keeping him on Earth. It, obviously, this vault is there that he's protecting because this thing happened and promise was made, promises were made. And so, I guess you know we'll just have to hang in there and find out. You know, that's that's the overarching arc of this um, season. But you know, here here's my thing. I, you know, the, I agree 100 percent that there's a pattern here, and it does remind me of the RT. Era, especially you know that first season with Rose. However, pattern, no pattern. You know, forget the pattern. The chemistry between these two, it, it's uh, you know I think I said this last week or you know that when we did the pilot, uh, I am so enjoying this season and being excited about what's to come next where I haven't felt that any with the Peter Capaldi era. And I, you know, and I'm agreeing with you that I don't think that it was his fault, I, you know, and I'm not faulting Jenna Coleman, but I'm going back to saying, I just love this chemistry and love the newness and the excitement about it. So yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, I just love the way she thinks, you know, Bill, and she's a thinking companion, but not, you know, in a way that she, we, we spoke about last week, that how she likes to work things out, and she kind of thinks outside of the box, you know, what? she just doesn't accept things on face value, and she questions everything, you know, oh, you know, she sees the seats on the TARDIS there, and she sits down and goes, and she says, wait a minute, you can't reach the controls from the seats, you know, and, you know, <laughs> which is what, a really good point. <laughs> yes, and how come no other companion mentioned that, or no one else no, questioned yeah. that, you know, it's just, no. I, I, I love that about her. And I, and, I, and I sense that's what the doctor, you know, um, that's what attracted her to the doctor, you know, attracted the doctor, what, what compelled him to bring her on board. Yeah, he likes to be challenged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's wonderfully reminiscent of, um, of, uh, of Rose, of, of the early days of the reboot of the series. And we've also ended this episode going straight into the next one, which takes us all the way back to the 60s, doesn't it? And and that's wonderful too, you know. You remember that in the, oh, that when you, when William Hartnell was the Doctor, that's how every episode ended was that, with the start of the next episode. So. Absolutely right. When you said going back yeah. to the sixties, you know, I think it was earlier than the nineteen sixties. You know, I thought you meant you know, you know, in yeah, the story frame. <laughs> and I think we're all wondering, all of us who are fans of the classic series, we're all wondering if when he speaks of the promise that he's made and he's got a picture of Susan on his desk, mm. are we talking about that promise from Dalek Invasion of Earth? So, and man, I hope so. Interesting. Oh, I hope interesting. so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah, because yeah, Lee wasn't with us last week, so we still have some um, some ground to cover, Lee, with us, you know, mm. um, about last week's story. Oh, you know, what your theories may be. But, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of the uh, the things that you're alluding to is related to there seems to be an awful lot of weight taken off, Dr. Um, in business, you, you basically say if a business was struggling a little bit, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I mean, Dr. Who's... Um, uh, in many many countries, and it's it, it's never uh, enjoyed such uh, worldwide success as it does now. And of course, typically of the BBC, what they do, they have a world tour, then shut the program down for 15 months. But um, they, they're basically what you would say in businesses. They've gone back to their core strengths. That's right. Uh, you, know, uh, yep. you get these, you know, they get these big companies. You know, they're into cameras, into TVs, they're into projectors, mm-hmm. printers, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and suddenly they've got financial issues because they're trying to be all things to all men. And um, I think I think uh, things have been drawn in. Uh, I think you have uh, stumbled. Well, not stumbled. You've you, you, you've highlighted quite rightly what is going to be the story arc, but it's a fairly gentle story arc, which may have a big payoff, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's going to be um, a convoluted one. And obviously, from what we know, it's going to be a single series story arc. And one of the complexities that we've had with Stephen Moffat that that has divided Doctor Who fans has been this, you know, hanging over of things. Will it get resolved? I will Moffat just sort of leave it hanging and so on and so forth. But bringing to bear the fact that we've got this confluence of uh, both the showrunner and the the main star deciding to leave at the same time, mm-hmm. um, they can indulge themselves somewhat. I mean, we're <laughs> thinking back a little bit to... Uh, Slightly different reference, but like when the tenth doctor knew he was dying of the poisoning, you know, we had some knocking on the door here, but Will's knocking on the door, uh, and and basically, because they were going to go to that in the series, they knew they were coming to the end of the tenth doctor. 
Therefore, that was allowing them beforehand to explore things like the Doctor Victorious. They could take the Doctor to a place where he couldn't come back from because they knew at the end of the series he wasn't coming back. That's right. Uh, and so I feel here. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, the similarity to Rose. I think there's a little bit of similarity to Smith and Jones. If you remember when the, the hospital appears on the moon, uh, the Doctor's sort of talking out loud, thinking out loud, um, and uh, it, it's Martha who, who who picks on, well, I, I'm going to look out at the window. Uh, and the other nurse says, what are you talking about? You'll let all the air out. She said, this wouldn't hold a vacuum in. There must be a, some sort of force wall behind it. Uh, you know, so, uh, and that piqued the doctor's interest. You know, this was uh, somebody who was calm, and trying to think the situation out, and uh, and this is what's happened. Maybe because the doctor has been at this university for 50, 70 years, um, and it, as we've been reminded, he's made this pledge. So he can't look beyond the university walls, although, as he's quite rightly reminded us, um, you know, as long as he arrives back when he leaves, uh, you know, uh, almost instantaneously... Um, uh, unless somebody rolls a rug near the uh, TARDIS, heaven forbid, and it suddenly appears underneath it instead, uh, no one's the wiser. Um, I'm not quite sure what they're doing with Nardle in some ways. I think the difference with Nardle, although I like him, betrays to me some of the sequence in which these stories have been written uh, and read out. I think we had some discussion about, you know, when the Doctor Mysterious one was done and when the first reading for this one was and, and so on and so forth and and, and the actual um, status of Nordal in terms of, you know, is he, is he all mechanical underneath that coat or, or whatever? Um, but Well, we know he's not he's, human. You're right, indeed. But... Uh, to, to, uh, I've talked for a long time here, for, so well, let me just end on this. Well, not end, but finish this little bit by saying that um, I, I, I think that um, I like Kyle. I'm not. Wa I, I'm watching them, but I'm not watching them with my, you know, heart in my mouth. You know, don't mess it up. Where are they going here? What, what's this? What's this fairy tale? This, that, and the other. I'm actually watching what to me seems like a slightly simplified Doctor Who. But mm -hmm. one that I feel is in on, you know, it's not. It, it, I'm I'm not going to be squirming when I'm watching it, and I'm not going to be thinking, oh, I've recommended this show to some friends, and they're going to say, what's this tripe is recommended to me? The, you know, um, I, I, I feel as though we're on firmer, safer grounds, and I do think it's taken a long, long time. If this is Peter Capaldi's last series, it's taken him an awful long time to relax. Other uh, writing has allowed him to relax into the the person who can have a bit of fun, have a bit of adventure. And I think that's what they're going to play with. They're going to get him more and more excited, uh, ecstatic to have a young inquisitive companion. Uh, maybe finally sort out Nordell, Nordell. Maybe return him to wherever from whence he came, and mm. then um, the big chop's going to come down at some point. But. Uh, that's moving us further, further forward. Perhaps we should deliberate a little bit on the, when they arrive at this little destination of this story. Aye. Kezia, please don't come in. We're having a little tiny body problem. Me and my Vardies have just pollinated three miles of wheat. Yeah, 
stuff yeah but but we're smiling about it (laughs) i'm smiling (laughs) yeah um yeah pretty interesting it's um it actually reminded me of a story that a joke that john pertby told at a convention going back like 30 some odd years ago uh 32 years ago where um and i i shouldn't have bring this up because i don't remember the exact joke but uh where something along the lines where um uh, I, I guess it was um, someone was house sitting, and and this uh, this wasn't uh, John Pertwee's own. You know, I'm sure this has been around. Else, other people had told this joke before. I don't know who originated it, but um, if I'm and I'm kind of vague on it, but so forgive me about not getting the details right. But um, if I recall correctly, I, I believe someone was was house sitting for someone, and um, so they were taking care of their. Um, cat or something and um cat i'm gonna say cat yes so um anyway so then when when the when the owners came back and they they said well i I have to tell you that your cat died and and they were just gutted and upset i'm like couldn't you just break the news to me in in, in in a better way i'm like well how was i gonna tell you that the cat died i'm I says, well, couldn't you just say the cat was up on the roof and couldn't come down and um, and, and ran away or whatever? And, um, and anyway, um, there was more to this joke to it, but as it goes along, um, the, the, um, this well, is... Uh, yeah. You probably heard... You probably know this joke. So anyway, so these two people come together again. I, I guess they're siblings. That They might be brother and sister, whatever. And um, so they ring one up. They... they, they, they some time, some time goes by. Some months go by. One per- that person rings up the other person and says, "You know, um, pops up on the roof and won't come down." <laughs> anyway, I, I yeah. mistold the joke, but it's it was much better when John Pertwee told it. <laughs> it's still funny. Yeah. <laughs> But that's what it reminded me when I was seeing this play out because it was like, you know, um, that's not very, you know, funny. But, you know, you, that's, you know, but smile, you know. Yeah. Well, it continues uh, this trend of one of the things that the revived show has done, I think, which is to 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 add a horror element to to commonplace things, to to blinking 
or to oh, water yeah. mm-hmm. or to ice or to graffiti or to, you know, um, it's like the show's mission is to make you think twice about every mundane thing that we do now, you know. Of course. Um, so now, particularly we see emojis, we're going to be thinking of this episode. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's a great way of sort of getting under the collective skin of uh, you know the viewing uh, public. So mm-hmm. it's fun. And uh, it's nice to see us um, on location again, aren't we? We're in Spain here, in Valencia. Yeah. City of Arts and Sciences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go. Let's. Yeah. Uh, a, I, I really. <laughs> it's a magnificent that location. Building is beautiful. That is the City of Arts and Sciences in Valencia, that location, which I guess they they got a deal to empty out for the shoot because there was nobody there. But um, yeah. an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. They were yeah. all asleep. <laughs> um, well, okay, I, I, yeah. I, I said on our podcast that it it remind it, it when we, when the doctor talks about the Vikings when they they, they went and hunted uh, until they got more plunder they would turn their their boats over and sleep under them. But uh, having read a little bit more about this place, it's supposed to be like a whale skeleton in actual fact. Um, uh, but one of the things here is that it has the largest aquarium in Europe on the site as one of the parts. And I'm just wondering whether, uh, slight spoilers here, but it was shown in the Next Time trailer. I'm wondering some of the underwater scenes for that may have been filmed here as well. Oh, it's possible. Very yeah. possible, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a location I'd love to visit. You know, um, it's it's a beautiful location. That's the one thing I was, like, when I was watching this episode, I said, like, oh, that, you know, this isn't CGI. This is a natural location they're in, mm-hmm. and I would love to know where it is. And um, so, yeah, it's a city city of arts and science sciences in um, Valencia, Spain. Yeah. So I'd Amazing. love to visit there one day. Well, that's beautiful. All right. Well, we'll move along. You asked me where all the people were. I theorized that they hadn't got here yet. Did I sound convincing? Yeah. And did I convince myself? No. 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 And I'll tell you why. Because there should be somebody here. There should be some kind of a, a set-up team. A skeleton crew. You're thinking? Tell me what you're thinking about. A magic haddock. Obviously. This is fertilizer. Mineral fertilizer. Calcium based. Now, we don't have answers, so let's put together two questions. What is the source of this mineral fertilizer? Literally a skeleton crew. Literally. <laughs> yeah, uh, was it my imagination? But just listening to that again, I'm sure I heard a Viking horn being blown. Uh, there was a slight Viking 
vibe to that music. It could uh, maybe, so, yeah. That uh, or was that the, says, maybe it was the Vardy. They were making some noises too. <laughs> and right uh, before uh, this, we saw them get an upgrade. You know, we're talking about um, you know, uh, yeah. Cybermen being upgraded. But yeah, they were um, their ears. They got a um, some sort of upgrade where they can now hear each other remotely. So I'm just curious, because is this like a biological upgrade, or is this something that's only pertaining to this planet, or is this going to continue once they, you know, move on? Because it seemed like it was some sort of biological upgrade. Hmm. It's like a museum's closed-circuit loop, isn't it? <laughs> it could be. That's what I'm curious about. Uh, but still, thing- regardless, they put something... In them, because their eye—I mean, not their eyes, but their ears—glowed. I mean, they it, were red for a turned, second. Yeah, it, it it turned like a shade of red, and then it came back to its normal color again. Well, we'll find out as the as new episodes come out if they're still going to be able to, uh, you know, talk to each other remotely. And um, yeah, there's a, there's an awful lot in this. I mean, uh, one of the things that uh, you were saying. Uh, at the beginning, Lewis, about the, the, the bill is that, you know, she's asking these questions, but coming at them from unusual angles. And um, uh, But there was, there's was, been a lot of uh, drip-feeding of uh, background information in terms of this being a... Even though we've got a, a relaunch in 2018, we are, we are get, touching a lot of bases here. I mean, like the little idea of them um, when the food is served and... Uh, she can't understand. She thinks uh, she's a little bit miffed that the doctor's got two two lots of this uh, jelly stuff. Yeah. She uh, got two, he got two uh, cubes uh, and she got one cube. And he, he thought that was because they'd misjudged the fact that he had two heartbeats, meaning he was it was actually two people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, that's, that's what I call painless exposition. That was a great way of letting him know that he's got, letting her know that he's got two hearts. That's, you know, I, I really admire that kind of writing. I, I think that's yeah. lovely. And thus reminding the audience. And it seems like, again, um, after a year off, they're, they're trying to reintroduce the series to maybe um, new people that may not be familiar with it. Absolutely. And it just, and it's like what Lee just said, it just felt. You know, it didn't seem contrived. It didn't seem like they were pushing information. It just was like, oh, well, here's, you know, here's an explanation for this. And it was just so in the story. It just worked. Yeah. Now, and um, I've heard a lot said as well since since did our own show that um, basically a lot of the show is a, is a two-handed story, isn't it? There's lots of dialogue between Absolutely. companions. I mean, there's a lot of... I mean, obviously, these robots... Um, yeah, uh, they, they they're, they're funny, and they've got a nice counterpoint as well because they've got this sort of cutesy-looking face, but yet this sort of slightly menacing where they're sort of, you know, standing guard at certain places and at the end of corridors almost sort of herding you into, you know, you can go here, but you can't go there. Uh, so uh, giving us off this sort of background of menace while yet appearing superficially, uh, as as we all know, because 
with most people who follow Doctor Who and sci-fi also follow tech and gadgets, uh, and they know how these um, Japanese, uh, you know, self-uprighting robots are, are done in this sort of non-threatening look, you know, so that Granny can have one and help her, you know... Uh, you know, yeah, help her living on her own type thing. Yeah, in in a sense, these robots. That I mean, this is supposed to be far 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 off in the future. Yet these robots look very similar to the robots that we see today. I mean, they're very. You know, if you look at like those uh, Osmos or whatever those Cosimo, uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. those yeah. robots that, yeah, that yeah. are being produced today, they're they're very similar looking. So it's That's sort right. of you know we're in the danger with sci-fi and futurism when you project into the future and you, you don't project far like for example like um if you watch the 60s star trek there's there's some scenes where they there's like an early fax machine you know where the, the mm-hmm. information is being printed out on the bridge coming from somewhere else i'm like oh look they, they they saw the fax machine but yet now we think of fax machines we think they're antiquated you know this is like you know sure. we're we're beyond that now so you know, I'm wondering if this is going to sort of, in the future, when we look back on this episode, if it's going to sort of see, seem dated that these robots look so much like robots of mm. today. Very quickly, mm. yeah. yeah. I think that's why steampunk has caught on a lot with the, a lot of uh, young sci-fi and fantasy fans because it's it's almost like timeless. alternate science. Yeah. yeah, timeless and alternate science, yeah. True. So in this scene, we see the doctor sort of, and, and, and Bill as well, you know, working out what's going on here. And, you know, they're sort of being educated um, of what's going on and the doctor's working things out on, you know, what possibly might be going on. And, of, of course, we learn that he's gotten some things wrong. And um, But unless I missed it, which, which could very well be the case, I'm just sort of in the dark. How does the doctor learn that they're called? I mean, we know because we saw the scene that we, we played the clip before of, of um, the, the early, the gardeners there being um, attacked by the Vardy. But how, when does the doctor learn that they're called the Vardy? Because they don't speak and there's no emoji for Vardy. How does he know they're called the Vardy? I wondered that too, but but I put it down to his uh, his broad knowledge of Possibly, you know yeah. everything that's ever mm-hmm. happened, you know. So so he he's seen this technology before, but not this particular iteration of it. that. That's how it played to me, anyway. Oh, okay, and and you two talking just now made me think of something else. He talked about the magic haddock pretty much from beginning of the episode mm-hmm. to the end of the episode. So does is that saying he had the whole thing of what's going on figured out or knew what was going to happen or what if he's telling this same story which just so happens to be the resolution of the issue at the end yeah i hope not because it was my sort of skipping it to the end here that it was my sole quibble with the episode that i very much enjoyed was that he he ends by sonicking them and and sort of rebooting them and i thought well why didn't you do that an hour ago Mm -hmm. um if you knew what was happening. <laughs> well, I think it's uh, when they see the, the, the old woman lying, uh, uh, you know, I was saying Martha, then blimey, uh, where <laughs> Bill finds uh, that and they find this little book which had a very thinly disguised iPad Pro underneath with a round button, <laughs> I thought. But um, uh, I'm assuming that, uh, you know, and... The whole point was that these robots were there to care, and this was the first person 
who had presumably just died of natural causes, uh, and they had uh, uh, they'd, they'd seen her be unhappy and in pain and so on, and they'd taken that as being a disease. So if they saw any of the, the this skeleton crew, of course, as, as, as exhibiting those uh, things... Um, uh, they were killing them, not not to be vicious, but they were thinking they were trying to stop this virus spreading to the other members of the colony. Clue, uh, so they'd they'd, they'd right. taken a precept and uh, uh, and it was the wrong one, and it, it was causing all the problem. I mean, the, that little uh, garden that they were in, I was thinking, well, that, no way that's going to feed a colony. But I'm assuming that that was just the one yeah, for the food supply of the the skeleton crew, and and the way um, right. we had, by the way, that uh, uh, wonderful comic. Uh, Actor, um, and I'm never going to get a name now. Mina Awa, is it? Uh, who, who's been in uh, lots of things. Uh, Ian recognised her instantly from a, a situation comedy in the UK called Thin Blue Line, where she played a policewoman. Um, but she's been in, in lots of other things, The Bill and so on. Um, when she's explaining to the other girl that, you know, mum has died in this, that, that person seemed. Bewildered. So, again, a little bit like, uh, and I think Carl might be with me on this one. I mean, a little bit like the doctor's daughter. Uh, we we may think that all this uh, killing that skeleton crew has been going on for ages, but it may literally have only been in this last few weeks. Um, very difficult to tell the time scale going on here. Um, Correct. I agree with you. Yeah, that, makes, the, that makes good sense, yeah. Because the, the doctor thinks at first, of course, that the colony ship hasn't arrived. And then he has this supposition, of course, that um, what do you do in this story about, uh, well, you know, you build out from the ship. It's a vast structure. They, these robots couldn't have done that. Therefore, the ship is probably the central core of, of this building. Mm-hmm. Well, I, to answer Lee's question, though, why why didn't he do it sooner? I think maybe the doctor wasn't. I think it was after the realization that these were sentient beings that um, that's when he now knew that they had to be preserved somehow and not be extinguished. That they couldn't yeah. be destroyed. And I think that's why um, that's when he came up, I guess, with the idea of rebooting them was to keep them around, but just. To cut off the cancer, if you will, that 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 corrupted them, that um, you know, this whole about them dealing with grief, you know, maybe reboot it and maybe yeah. start again, and maybe this time they can um, these new humans that are there, the the the, the remaining um, colonists can now um, introduce them the Vardy to this concept of grief, so that because um, they were there originally, there you know they were programming, they, they were aiming to please and. Yeah, and they didn't understand this whole grief thing, and they thought this grief was, and I think it's a nice concept. You know, this grief was the was a disease, really. To it was a plague. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so he he couldn't he couldn't uh, change that part of their command structure until he understood what was happening. So yeah, that that does make sense. Yeah. Uh, I've got another again. I mean, I think I mentioned last time that uh, the, the similarity with the uh, the pilot story with something I'd watched on because I'm rewatching Star Trek Voyager at the moment, and it was about that salient uh, uh, thing and the the uh, you know on the hell uh, hell planet and so on. Well, this reminded me of another Star Trek Voyager one, and that's the one where um, 
uh, Bilana saves um, a robot. And it turns out this robot is fighting a war uh, with a, a robot from another race. Uh, and it's because two races were fighting uh, and then both races had the, their robots. But when the humans wanted peace, sorry, when their masters wanted peace, their robot solution was not to stop fighting, but was to kill their masters so that they could go on fighting the robot war. Hmm. And um, this seemed to... I mean, I'm not saying that this has been half-inched from it, but, I mean, you could argue that all science fiction, you know, every science fiction uh, series you've ever watched, there's always an evil twin brother episode. There's always a, a you know, a, a moment in time episode. There's always a, a bomb that's been uh, an intelligent bomb that wants to go off and you have to talk it down. Um, uh, this is another one where Moriarty escapes from the holodeck, you know. <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> but yeah, it's true. Uh, uh, you, you know, I, I wrote an adaptation of uh, Carl Chappick's play R.U.R., which you know, which gives the world the word robot. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it was uh, when it was off Broadway just recently, uh, one of the few negative comments about it was people said, "Well, well, you know, about halfway through it, you know that the the robots are going to rise up and overthrow their masters." Yeah, you do. <laughs> you know, and we kind of didn't know what to say about that. It's like, well, you know, the play's a hundred years old now. That that ship is going to sail. Uh, sail, right? Yeah. I, uh, it, right now, it's a little like saying you do know that Romeo and Juliet they're both dead, right? You do. You do know that's going to happen. <laughs> So, yeah. You do know your smart TV is listening to your conversations. Because <laughs> it has a weeping angel in it, yes. Yeah. And I am your father. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. From? <laughs> Sorry. I like the visual thing, and I must bring, because unfortunately he's not with us here, he commented on that, the way that um, these creatures, uh, you know, were the building, you know, where you see them break off. Mm-hmm. They weren't sort of like bats in a cave type thing. That They actually were the structure of the building. And uh, uh, and he said, uh, do you notice that the, the robots don't move fast uh, or something? And, and she said, why? He said, well, they don't need to. Because, you know, they had their sort of trained... Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were marvellous, weren't they? Again, in Spain, I believe they have these very great flocks of starlings that, you know, would look for for um, their nesting site at night. And um, I, I think in France you see them as well, where they do these beautiful swirling patterns in the sky. Yeah. And yeah. Um, somebody had mimic that with the CGI so it looked absolutely fantastic I mean visually mm-hmm. this is one of the best looking Doctor Who's I mean that cornfield we see the, the, around the city uh, place there mm-hmm. isn't a cornfield there's a, there's a big lake at the side of it a, you know a concrete lined lake uh, but I mean really it was it, was, it looked to me as though we were off world I, I, I found it very convincing oh yeah definitely yeah, I really loved that moment where we saw a segment of the the, the building come apart and and turn into nanobots. Yeah, I, I I thought that was just that was that was a visual a little visual feast. Kyle, what did you think about the um, the the change in when we went into the uh, the ship? Though, I mean, you you were struck by the difference, weren't you? Yeah, you know, I mentioned that the other night when we were whenever I was on cult done with you guys, and it was you know interesting how. 
pristine and clean and almost, uh, you know, like, uh, like being in a hospital to some degree when you had the part of the city that the Vardy built. But then you get into what the humans actually build, and everything looks so, for lack of a better word, dingy and dirty. Wet brains and dry brains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, it's, and I, I think yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. How you know the the visual, even the you know, and even the doctor himself said something when he walks through and goes, "Oh, well, you know, I wanted to see the bumps on the wall or the you know whatever." But he made some comment about yeah. you know seeing and how that changed. Mm-hmm. You know, actual bolts rivet, on the rivet, wall. Yeah, rivet. Yeah, rivet. Rivets, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, this is going back to old school Doctor Who, where they would, you know, use whatever structures they could find, you know, instead of building sets because their budget didn't allow for that. So they would go to these uh, industrial um, locations, you know, and make them into like spaceships, you know, and um, (laughs) including the inside of the TARDIS, including the inside (laughs) of the TARDIS, much to our chagrin. Yeah, exactly. But but didn't this, in that way, remind you of classic Who pretty much from start to finish? Yes, yes, very much uh, so. Mm-hmm. And I was really enjoying that, that, uh, yeah, we, we, it's just really focused on the two of them and their relationship and clever dialogue. We, you know, we, we would meet another character who is uh, a, a man in a suit, you know, and, and we're, we're all on, uh, on location somewhere that, that have a, a kind of a unique look to them. And, uh, yeah, I, I did. I, I sort of kept expecting uh, John Pertwee and Katie Manning to come around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Slowly, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Right. It goes back a little bit to the – I mean, we, we had the, story, the first Doctor story of the art where they're on a – intergalactic uh, spaceship. Uh, well, yeah, I think uh, he, they make references to that. I mean, not directly, but he, mm-hmm. sa- he says, you know, I've been on a few uh, of these. You know, he makes a reference that yeah. the Earth is being evacuated, and he goes, you know, I've been on several of these ships, you know, and I thought of the Ark and, um, and, and you know... The other one, the Ark in space. And then also Ark yeah. in space as well, yeah. yeah. And Utopia. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's the, the vast one there when the ramshackle crowds because I, I was a little bit wondering how these uh, these people would dress when they came out of hibernation yeah I don't know yeah. we didn't actually see them come out <laughs> no that saved some time and some effects money too yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, here, here's another clip where did you come from where is everybody when you say everybody. My very good people, we will soon be beginning an emergency disembarkation. Good people, please prepare for disembarkation. We wish you a happy new world. Doctor? Pods. Pods. What is it? What's happening? We can't blow up the city.
They're waking up, aren't they? We must have triggered the process when we came in. So what happens now? Now? Now they're all going to leave this ship and find their friends and family mulched in the garden. And if they don't smile about that, it's going to be the end of the human race. So the doctor was shocked to see the pods. One might even say he was pod shocked. <laughs> no one. One might say that. <laughs> you one know, did I say couldn't that. let that go without a comment. No. No. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that opportunity is only going to come along every so often. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so great stuff here. Yeah. So um, let's see. Um, let's we, we can uh, round things out, and then we'll give our final synopsis. And here's one more. We um, well, the, the, the episode started. You know, the story started with them having these smiley pins attached to them on their back, so that gave away what they were feeling, and they couldn't see it themselves. So they had to, you know, actually rely on each other to see, make sure each one was uh, smiling. So. Um, at this end of this episode, though, and my friend Francesca asked me about it, and I watched it again, um, you know, before this recording, and I don't think we see them t- actually taking them off, but we assume they're off because um, I, w- w- I, I would imagine they're off, but we don't actually see that, those smiley pins. I thought the reason why they were on the back, by the way, was not so that they could monitor each other, but basically you, it was so there was no hiding place. If the robot was looking at you, it could see what your mood was. And if you turned your back on them, you know, so they couldn't see your face, they could mm. still see the move yeah. and thing in the back. So I thought that was the reason. I like the little slick action um, where they, they they started to put the pin on the front, it, it zoomed over the sh- shoulder. So yeah. that was a, probably a very simply done with some fishing twine or something, but it it worked very well. Yeah, it, it looked pretty cool. Yeah, it did. I I, I believed it completely that it <laughs> it had some kind of a little uh, tractor tread on it or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one last clip, and then we'll give our final review. So, is it going to work? That's up to them. Did you just... Well, did we just... jumpstart a new civilization? It's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. Did you do this all the time? Do what? Fly around sorting things out like some kind of intergalactic policeman. I don't sort things out. I'm definitely not a policeman. Well, you you live in a police box. Pure coincidence. Back at the exact moment we left. Kettle's boiling. I've got a vault to guard. And everything is exactly as we left it. Wasn't snowing when we left. Maybe I do need a steering wheel. Where are we? London. And this is the Thames. Okay. 
again, this goes back to classic dog two, where the doctor can never really exactly steer the TARDIS exactly right. But then again, sometimes the TARDIS takes the doctor where he needs to go. That's true. Yeah. And he didn't find out where he was by licking his finger and holding it up. He, uh, <laughs> he stomped the ground. Mm. That was funny. Yeah. And once again, the, um, I like the way Bill worked it out, you know, as far as um, learning about the doctor on her own, you know, where, you know, we, in an earlier scene, we see her looking at the sign, you know, um, you know, police call box, you know, uh, call uh, um, assistance and, and um, I forget the exact terminology, but, you know, where he, she sees the sign um, and works it out that, you know, that's the reason why the doctor doesn't call for help. He is the help. Yeah. You know, he is the assistance. He is the, the the intergalactic policeman, if you will, even though he doesn't see himself as that. Yeah. Yeah, he even says no. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, but he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He couldn't be, abs- you know, and, and he talks about this here where he stole the ship. You know, he told, he stole the TARDIS, you know, because <laughs> he couldn't be a, just an observer. He had to take action. He had to get involved, you know, and um, and, you know, Bill's learning that. Just like, you know, the bill, uh, uh, the doctor couldn't leave Bill alone on Earth, you know, and, uh, you know, so she's she's piecing it all together. Yeah. And, you know, I just like, you know, basically what you're just saying, but I liked this is two weeks in a row that, you know, she's she's not overpowering him, but she's adding something that either helps him figure out what's going on or, you know, assist in that and that she's giving something. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, it's just, it's just organic for me. And I just really like that. Yeah. Well, she's yeah, not, well said. That's it. Yeah, yeah. She's not doing the classic, which a lot of actresses and actors that play companions get fed up with, you know, feeding the lines. Like, what is it, doctor? Why is it, doctor? Why, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Not just, she's working things out herself, which has to be, you know, exciting as a performer that you're not just, you know, just there to feed the doctor a line so that he can ex- give explanations. She's actually yeah, figuring things absolutely. out. Absolutely. Yeah. And she's not always getting it right because that would be wrong anyway. Uh, but she's getting it near enough right that the, do- the doctor rewards her by drawing out from him mm-hmm. the correct explanation. But she's sort of done the groundwork. She's, you know, she's not just asking. If, if she just asked him a straight question, he would prevaricate or <laughs> deflect or whatever. But yeah. because she's sort of earned his respect in a way that she deserves an answer because she's figured out three quarters of it, um, then then he will supply, you know, the missing link that she she hasn't yet perhaps uh, landed on. But um, yeah. Um, Yes, I think uh, I, I think it's very. And I must admit, um, from those trailers, I, I wasn't, I didn't hold high hopes for up for the the companion of Bill. Um, uh, she just seemed a little bit um, like the, the gawpy one out of Harry Potter. You know, it, it was um, it was going to be the, the uh, you know the the mouth open and uh, just a single expression, but. Um, no, this actress is um, proving to be uh, very, very good indeed, and uh, uh, and obviously that's the writing for her. But the, the the writing and her ability to deliver it 
is leading to, to me, uh, a very convincing performance and very satisfying. And uh, as Kyle said, it's, you know, it's not, it's not somebody other than. Well, I mean, I hope we don't discover any hidden stories. I'm assuming that her out-of-time clothing, you know, what to me looks like 1980s clothing, is because. Well, what do I know? Perhaps 1980 clothing is right back in at the, in 2017. Um, uh, you know, it's, there's no hidden thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, She's but, not going to be the most important woman in the universe or something. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah. We, we had a, enough of those, you know. Yeah. I, so let me ask you this, because um, what Dave just said leads right into this question, which is something that we've hinted at or either talked about before, but I think it's worth mentioning again. Could some of our fascination of how she is interpreting the role of a companion and interpreting the scripts that she has been given, could some of that come from the fact of she, A, had never watched any Doctor Who, and she, B, was told, don't research, don't watch, and she doesn't have any Pre, um, preconditions, yes, or pre mm-hmm. foreknowledge of what's going on, or any you know subconscious uh, predisposition of what she's supposed to be as a companion. She's just reading the scripts and organically. Here I go with that word again, but just acting out. Mm-hmm. So what Absolutely. do you guys? Yeah, yeah, very possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I don't, I, I don't think you can. I, th- I think you're right in as much as you can't really draw comparisons between. Uh, she's not a Tegan, she's not, um, you know, she's not, uh, she's not, well, perhaps she's a cross between Tegan and Martha, I don't know, but, but you mm-hmm. know, she's she's definitely, you know, I mean, if there was going to be any quibble about her, it's just the fact that it is, it is a human companion, but then you could offset that, we'll say, well, we've we've got Nordle along for that, Nordle, <laughs> or whatever. Good point. And, you know, that, that clip that you just played, Lewis, reminded me um, uh, how much I love Pearl Mackey's voice. My golly. Mm. And, and, you know, just being a, a, a Who companion means that she now has a, a franchise, you know, a part of the franchise. So she's going to be doing Big Finish and things like mm-hmm. that. And I, I look forward to it because I love her voice. Yeah. yeah. It's very distinct. It is. It, yeah. She doesn't sound like anybody else, does she? It's, it's wonderful. All right, so um, I'm going to give this. I, I I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it. I give it four, maybe even four and a half. But I'll I'll, st- I'll stay at four. Four Tardis Thrones out of five. I think it was an enjoyable story. I think it had a lot of classic elements to it. Um, it's not didn't it, you know didn't have a lot of weight or substance, but that's okay. It's it's you know not every story needs to be so heavy handed. And um, but I for what it is I did enjoy it and it was a um how long was it 45 minutes it's 45 minutes well spent you know um i did enjoy it okay i'll go next i and i don't know if at first i wanted to give it a five but after i've watched it more and more the story in itself doesn't hold up as much as the first one did but the acting between capaldi and um, okay, I'm just going to say Bill Potts because I can't remember her name. <laughs> Pearl Mackey. at the moment. Pearl, thank you, Pearl Mackey. The, you know, their the acting, their chemistry, and, and all of that that we've been talking about. I'm going to give it a four. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this is very much there. I mean, because the 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 Vardy didn't speak, and we didn't see, we didn't have any talking characters. You know, um, after the beginning, after Nordal left, and you know, but not but after they left Nordal. After you know, um, it was basically just the Doctor and Bill for this whole story until um, the colonists started waking up. You know, so you know that that, that they had to hold the the story just those two. Correct. Yeah. And which they did a fantastic job. Just, I, you know, and, and I enjoyed that episode watching it first run. But the more I've watched it, because I've watched it through three times now. And, you know, after watching it a couple of times, it starts to get old. Whereas the first episode, I could go back and watch it and, mm-hmm. and find something yeah. new again. Yeah. So, but I still give it a four, a strong four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I believe I would too. Um, Four point two, something like that, mm-hmm. uh, for all the same reasons stated. I I think this this episode was written and calculated to be episode number two and to really focus on the two of them, and uh, in that way it really it really succeeds. Um, and uh, yeah, and it has an intriguing problem at the heart of it. But uh, yeah, yeah. Four point two, Dave. Um. I think uh, it's the same as last week in some senses. I almost feel as though I do need to give it two different ratings. A little bit like <laughs> watching ice skating, where you give one for technical merit and one for uh, artistic performance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I believe I'm with Kyle there. I think the the very first episode, and this this episode may suffer from that, the first episode was so well-crafted. I think the first episode was really a pitch-perfect way to introduce the start of a new series, and there was an awful lot of hidden uh, gems in there, uh, both in the actual dialogue, the storyline, even, for heaven's sake, the, the Doctor's death. Um, so there's so much more as uh, an enthusiast to get your teeth into. Uh, but for the general wider public, uh, I would imagine that the two stories are, are, are more evenly balanced and more comparable. But but I would say um, I would say this is more like a three to me. Although again, I could rate the acting higher because um, Pearl Mackey in those two parters. They are two parters. They are uh, somebody who's been playing this part three years, uh, being and having a foil, who who stands up. I mean, uh, you could easily say you'd be watching some of those two parters, and you wouldn't be able to take your eyes off the doctor, uh, and. You know, th- this new companion would be trying to make space for herself. Um, uh, we, we had this uh, a, a while back, didn't we, where the doctors with Ma- um, with um, oh my god, um, I'm, I'm talking about where um, <laughs> the, 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 the from the right back to the eleventh doctor and the eleventh hour, uh, and then we have a third male companion coming to the show. Uh, and you think, well, there isn't space for him because you've got the Doctor and the Companion uh, and there you have another person and um, there didn't seem to be room, but the actor made the room. Um, Here, I feel as though um, I can't believe that this this companion, Bill, has only been in two episodes because she seems to me already established Mm -hmm. as uh, a longer-term companion. They did a little bit of disservice uh, with 
not officially, I don't think, but fairly generally because of this new relaunch in 2018, you can imagine may have a lot of truth in it that we may only have this companion for one series. Um, uh, and, and I don't want to think of her as a disposable throwaway companion because, to me, she's sort of firmly lodged herself into the sort of uh, the mindset of uh, viewership and uh, and fans of the show. So all all kudos to the uh, the actor Pearl Mackey for becoming um, an integral part uh, and being able to withstand. Really, I mean, I don't. I'm not again sure the order in which they film these, but they're asking a lot of her in this to go basically toe to toe with the Doctor, not in a confrontation thing, but in terms of, you know, holding the stage, holding the um, the storyline and, and um, not just feeding lines to the Doctor so he can go off and waltz around and piece of chalk in his hand and give a great big explanation, but that she can come at him left of field and, you know, um, and, uh, and, and make him think about some of the things that he's perhaps become complacent about. Um, so... Not a strong story. Not, I don't think I'll watch it as many times as I will the first one. Um, but beautifully filmed, mm. um, and uh, we had a, a rather nice teaser. And I'm very pleased. I mean, uh, whether you play the the next time or not, I'm very, 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 very pleased that it was an elephant that we saw and not a mammoth, because I thought they might have just gone overboard and done that. But I think we're in the frost fairs of London next time. Travel into the past, there's got to be rules. If I step on a butterfly, it could send ripples through time. Regency England. A bit more black than they show in the movies. Are there side effects to time travel? Sometimes you see lights under the ice. Stay back! There's something frozen under the Thames and it's eating people. Plan, let's get eaten. will be fed. Have you ever killed anyone? This is really eating me up. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and talking of poor memories, which I've got, memories were again uh, part of this story, weren't they? Uh, he switched them on and off again, so he wiped the memories, and uh, that was going to be what was going to happen to this companion Towards oh, the end of last yeah. week's story. Yeah, I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't think of that. That's a nice um, tie there. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that. I didn't draw that parallel. As you can see, uh, um, we're going to be our next. Do we have an episode name for? Um... They're nice. I made a joke about it at the beginning. Oh, okay. It's clever. They're nice. It's called. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So the nice is going to be our next review. So. Until then, you can also catch um, Dave and um, and Ian, who's not with us today, but we're we're smiling about it. We're keeping happy about it. Keep smiling. <laughs> Keep smiling. Smile. In the Cultum Collective, which um, is now every Sunday, we're back to doing weekly live shows again. Right, indeed, Dave? and and commentary. So you're getting two shows a week on the Cultum two for the price of one. Now is the time to subscribe on iTunes. Wow, sweet. And um, and discussing who? 
Kyle? Who? Yes. <laughs> who? 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 About, who? about 43 already. They're yes. Really yes. yes. This, this week uh, will be number 44, and we'll be happy to have Lee back with us this week. But, yes, Lee and I, as well as Clarence, can be found on Discussing Who?, and you're right. We are uh, almost up to 44, and we are weekly as well during Doctor Who. So, Sweet. All right. So until next time, thank you all of you for helping out and joining us in this episode. And thank you all for listening. And um, until next time, just keep smiling. Smile. <laughs> Smile. Smile. <laughs> and from it, Ian, it's a penguin, penguin with its arse on fire. <laughs> oh, my. Oh. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifreyNMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchuck Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. It's the bodies. God, what's wrong with you? Is that smile supposed to look real? It's like you're standing in a wind tunnel. Okay, big smiles now. Brace yourself. Mom is dead. Sorry. Smile, smile, smile. That's not even funny. No, it's not a joke. Mom is dead. Mom is dead. And hopeful. She's dead too. And her friend Sunshine. She's dead. And Eliza. And quite a few other people are dead. <laughs>